celebrate your birthday. And today we ask Lord that you would help us as we celebrate it in, in songs and preaching and our fellowshiping together. Lord, that your name would be honored and glorified and you would be pleased with all that we did today, Lord. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Number 83. Number 83. Oh, come, oh, come.
sing this one. <clears throat> Angels, we have heard on high, number 89.
number nine, not number one hundred. I'm sorry, number one hundred. Let's all stand. Single, come all, be faithful.
dedication song. Let's all stand, all right? I know everybody's, but your songs are kind of slow like that. Maybe you want to go to sleep. <laughs> all right, let's sing uh, Joy to the World, number 87.
stand one more time, and then the Chinese minister will go and have their service. We'll stand for just a minute. Well, I have enjoyed the good music here, and I hope you have too. They put a lot of time into practicing and rehearsing and all that, and I've heard some of it. It's done really good then, but it sounds even better today. All right. Uh, by the way, let me just tell you this before we get to the message today. It'll be the shortest message in the whole year. Don't want to ruin the sister singing by a message, but uh, <laughs> uh, the folks at the plaza said uh, by email, I said, thank you for letting us come to sing carols for the senior citizens, and they said, oh, we're so happy you came, they had such a good time, would you please come back again, anytime this coming year, so we will do that, and I get to clear up the old folks, I mean the seniors <laughs> at the home there, they were so happy to, to have you folks sing, and so that was a real blessing, and we're glad that they invited to come back again for other things too. We're happy to see you folks uh, in church today. We've got some uh, friends, former members from a long time ago, not too long ago. Good to see uh, Nicole and Russell and Joanne. Uh, they're all from, of course, uh, New Mexico. And the former members and good folks, we, we miss them, but we're glad that we can see them today. And others who are here too. And uh, let's see, um, uh, Frank is back from his long, sort of long uh, trip to somewhere, Philippines or Japan, and then um, uh, Luke is back from being in Japan for a little while, so we're glad to see you folks back in church. And so, uh, I don't know if I can say this or not, but uh, Luke, is it well known? Is it common knowledge now that you folks are expecting? Yeah. It is well known? I think it is, so congratulations for that. Yeah. In March, April, May, their first baby. Yeah. And it'll be so special and yeah. so, so different, you're not getting to see. Um, <laughs> so look forward to that, but uh, we're happy to see you folks in church today. And uh, Mary and Jim and uh, your kids are going to be going for a trip beginning on the Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Tuesday going to go to the Northwest for a little while, vacation some relatives there, so you'll be having New Year's on the mainland. All right, you may have a seat. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. <coughs> the scripture is very well known. If you've been a Christian at the time, you'll know that this scripture is about the birth of Christ. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 23. Uh, I talk fast, normally I try to talk a bit faster today because uh, I have a lot to say. There's so much to say about Christmas time. We spent the whole month of December teaching in Sanskrit about the life of Christ and then uh, different aspects of the characters of Christmas. And so today, Matthew chapter 1, verse number 23, it says this. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son... And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Now, Matthew quotes Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. The Lord shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he uh, shall call his name Emmanuel. And so the prophecy of Jesus Christ coming was fulfilled in, in Jesus Christ. In Matthew, the prophecy was fulfilled from Isaiah. And so John chapter 1 tells us that the beginning of everything, in the beginning was the word, the word is with God, and the word was God. Verse 14 tells us of that same chapter of John chapter 1, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And dwelt among us. Now John, who also wrote 1 John, says this, Our eyes have seen him, our heads have handled him of the word of life. So you have Jesus Christ who came, he is flesh, He's carnal, he's a, he's a corporal being. You, John says, we saw him. Now the, the counter to that scripture was people in that time and afterwards, they would say Jesus Christ was just a spiritual being. He came spiritually, not physically. 
But John says, oh, sorry about that, but the truth is that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, God became flesh, he wrapped himself with human flesh, and so we saw him, we handled him, we heard him, the word of life. So it is yeah. without any dispute that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And Paul says this about God in the flesh, great is the mystery of godliness, God was manifest in the flesh. And so it's a mystery because he wasn't revealed until then. It's a mystery in this sense too that how can you believe this? How can you understand that God became flesh? God's a spiritual being according to John chapter 4. He's a spiritual being. God is not something confined to a thing or something physical like this. But he became physical. He became carnal. He became corporate. He became a man like, like another man in the first century. And so it's a matter of fact that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Now C.S. Lewis said this in his book Mere Christianity. The second person of the Godhead became human himself, born into the world as an actual man, a real man of a particular height, with hair of a particular skin color, speaking in a particular language, weighing a particular weight. The eternal being who knows everything and created the world became not only man, but before that a baby, and before that a fetus in his mother's womb. And so when you think about the, the incarnation, God became man. The tongue that he spoke was a real tongue. When he said, Lazarus come forth, that was spoken with a real tongue from a real mouth, from a real body in John chapter 11. When Jesus Christ put his hand on Mark chapter 1 on the leper, he had uh, fingernails that were used to working hard in a carpenter shop. And someone said there was real dirt under his fingernails. Only to emphasize that Jesus Christ was a real man on earth where you could see and touch him and feel him. And Jesus Christ was real. The incarnation is God becoming man. And so the feet that walked on the water in Matthew 14, they were real feet of a real man that walked on the water. Not Amen. some spirit, not some ghost. Amen. Jesus Christ, you remember, is God in the flesh. Emmanuel means God with us. Okay, that's pretty profound. God with us. Now you cannot see God. No man has seen God at any time. But you saw God in Jesus Christ. One time, one of the disciples says, Lord, show us the Father. You know, Jesus said, Philip, have I not been so long with you? And you have not known the Father? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yeah. So he was saying, if you want to know God the Father, you look at Jesus Christ, his son. Because embodied in him, God. You have a miracle that took place, the incarnation where God became flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. Now, there's some reasons why God became flesh. I don't know if you thought about this, but most people, when they read something like this, it's kind of fantastic. It's almost science fiction. God became flesh. A spiritual being became flesh. Now, most people believe in supernatural things. Most people believe in science fiction. And they'll see a movie and they'll believe whatever they see on the big screen. But did you know that it's a real fact of history? It's real fact. It's a real truth in the Bible that God became flesh. Why did he become flesh? Why is God with us? Let's look at that for just a little bit today, about for another 12 hours. God became flesh. Number one, Jesus came to show us the Father. John 14, I just referred to that, but Philip asked a question. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He came to reveal God the Father. Number two, Jesus came to save us from our sins. And that was expressly stated in Matthew chapter 1, where the Bible says this, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So he came to reveal the Father. He came to save us from our sins. Now, of all the important things of Christmas, 
And there's so many elements that's really nice about Christmas. You and I like the lights of Christmas. We like the Christmas tree. We like the smell of the Douglas fir. We like the candles that have the scent of the uh, fir tree, which you don't have grown around. It's so nice. It's so, it's so soothing. We like the ornaments. We like the, the, the reason. All the different things. We like the presents even. We like the chocolate. That's one of the most important things of Christmas, the candy. Uh, we love all those kind of things. It's just a real good time to... You haven't seen friends for a little bit. You haven't seen family for a while. Relatives. It's kind of nice to get there a little bit, you know. And then, okay, we're done. Go home. Yes. Uh, it's kind of nice to be on family once again, kind of thing. Especially far away from them. So uh, there's nothing really bad about Christmas. I know people say, oh, you know, Santa Claus and uh, the pagan Christmas. Oh, you know what? Uh, whatever anybody wants to think. Uh, just for myself, my own, my own feeling, and probably yours too. Is you like Christmas? Every time it rains, I like Christmas. I think of Christmas. I want to play Christmas music because when it rains, that's my snow. Now, I've been in snow on the mainland, as many of you have. And in Michigan, where my mama lives, it snows a lot. And she gets depressed because it's so thick and so heavy. And she gets snowed in and she's locked, confined to the house out in the country. And she sends pictures of how she has this snow thing. Oh, it's just awesome. It's not like Hawaii. And so I like snow, I like to look at it for about 20 minutes and that's it. I'm happy, I'm content. But uh, Christmas is a good time. We all enjoy Christmas. There's nothing really bad about Christmas. If you can just separate the, 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 the not real things uh, from what is real, if you can just understand that Christmas is the time of celebration for the Son of God who came to us to save us from our sins. Amen. That's something to be happy about. Amen. If you didn't come, what would you do with your sins? I mean, what would you do with your sins if Christ had not come to save you from your sins? You'd be damned to go to hell because your sins will take you there unless it is forgiven. Unless you are relieved from the burden of sin, you cannot go to heaven. But thank God Jesus Christ came to show us the Father and to save us from our sins. He says that and that's what he did. He came to save us from our sins. Now, a, a blueprint, a blueprint to build a home. The blueprint could be of a very glamorous, a very beautiful home that you hope to have built. But for that blueprint to be, to turn into an actual home, you have to have some things take place. You have to have a contractor, subcontractors, and all the different people that will come in and in stages build from the foundation up that, that home of a lifetime. Now, if they don't come to build that home, all you're left to have is just a wrote up piece of paper with a plan for a home. It's not a home unless it is executed. Do you remember that the plan of salvation was made in God's mind in heaven in eternity? And do you know that was like a blueprint? But that's all it was. Something had to happen to execute God's plan, God's blueprint for our personal salvation, for our forgiveness of sins. Christ had to come down. I don't want to make him sound like the general contractor, but someone had to come down and execute the plan of God for our redemption, for our salvation. And that's why Jesus Christ came. He came to execute God's plan, God's blueprint for salvation. Right. Without that, you and I, it's Christmas is nothing if you didn't come down. There's nothing to be happy about. Yeah. By the way, what do you what makes you happy? Hmm. What makes you really happy? I mean, a lot of things make us happy, and they're not bad things at all. Uh, new things make me happy. Uh, things that last a long time make me happy. 
I had a car that was a 2003 Toyota, uh, what was it, Camry? My goal was to go 500,000 miles. I took care of it, sort of. <laughs> and that car went about 300,000, which I was kind of proud about, but then the trans went out. And I, I, I know what I did to rent the trans. If you guys would like to know what I did to rent my trans, I think I'm the cause of why my transmission went out. I think I know what I did. But it went a long way. I'm happy about things that last a long time. I, I wear clothes that last a long time. I have t-shirts that I bought from Kmart. Kmart's gone. Two for three dollar kind of sale at Kmart over in company, bought those things. I still have them, they last a long time. I like things that last a long time. It makes me happy. But you know, when you think about it, there's a there's a deeper happiness that you can have because there's something more real and more important than just stuff. Stuff is important, don't get me wrong. I bought two laptops this year. It was a sale at Costco. I'm anticipating my laptop going out eventually, so I'm gonna get one now. Take a couple hundred bucks if you want. Got one from a walk-up for myself. It's still in the box. I got 90 days to return it. But uh, and I hope my present laptop doesn't die on me. But if it does, I'm sort of ready for that. <laughs> so things make us happy, all right? Things make us happy. A lot of things make the Yankees lose. I'm happy. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys lose. I'm expecting that to happen. <laughs> and uh, so I, I like certain things, make us all happy. Something makes you happy as well. I mean, we can go on and on and on. New dress, new this, new that, new shoes. New shoes make me happy. I like shoes that last a long time. I'm trying to buy Walmart shoes. They last me a little while, but uh, I want to get some, but I don't want to pay the price. Hoka, Hoka, is it Hoka shoes? The walking shoes, they are so good. I see so many people with Hoka shoes and they're so colorful. They look like Filipino shoes. <laughs> They should, they should call them book, book, walking shoes. Book, 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 book. Inside joke. But uh, oh, I'll tell you, they're so good. And if I ever spend the money for them, it'll last me a long time. I'll take care of them. Things make us happy. There's nothing wrong with that. Your car that runs, starts a ball tap, that should make you happy. A sharp knife that cuts through the meat, should make you happy. A lot of things make us happy. The roof doesn't leak, that makes you happy. Do not go to the extreme and say, no, I'm so spiritual, nothing makes me happy. The fact that matter is, we live in this world, we need some material things. <clears throat> they make us happy when things work and we have some things to take care of different needs. But the greatest thing that makes us happy is that we know Christ is our Savior. Amen. That's the greatest thing. Amen. How can you put a price, how can you put a dollar value on forgiveness of sins? Mm. How can you put a dollar value on one day of being in heaven with Christ. How can you put a dollar on the value of that? You cannot. It is priceless. The richest man in the world, I don't know who he is, but the Bill Gates of this world and the other people of this world that have so much money, they don't know what to do with it, and they keep making money without even trying. They're just so smart and so wise in how they can keep building up their wealth. But if that man, and I'm not criticizing anybody who's got a lot of money, but that man who does not know Christ as Savior, what does he really have if he doesn't know Christ? Jesus Christ came to show us the Father. He came to save us from our sins. And if you're not saved from your sins, you don't want to ruin your Christmas, but you really don't have a reason to be happy. You have no reason to have joy if you're never sure about going to heaven. That's the most important thing to know. And the most important thing to know is Jesus Christ came to save you from your sins. For God so loved the world, that he did something. Amen. For God so loved the world, he did something. Amen. He gave. Amen. He gave something. He gave his son, who was always eternally God, 
a spirit that he gave his son, came down, fulfilled prophecy, became flesh. Amen. So we can know the Father, so we can know that we can be saved and forgiven of our sins. That is that is a wonder. Amen. Wonder means wonder means to stand in awe. Wonder means to be amazed. Wonder means what? What you know, sometimes we say about something that happens, we say, What? We say, What? Well, that's like wonder. You wonder at what Christ means at Christmas time. He came to save. Uh, also I want to tell you this about Christmas and about God being with us. God being with us, it means that God loved us and He did this for us. He came to save us. Uh, incarnation. Paul Harvey. Remember Paul Harvey? Yeah. And now you know the rest of the story. Missed that those broadcast. Paul Harvey. But he gave a lot of anecdotal things, a lot of illustrations that you can use for spiritual purposes. He told a story one time about a farmer who was very kind on a winter's night or coming dark. Uh, he heard an irregular on his window, kitchen storm door. He looked out, he saw birds, sparrows flying into the window and then falling and disoriented and come back again, hitting the glass, hitting the door. And so he realized they were attracted to the warmth of the kitchen and tried to get in. And so being a kind man, kind farmer, he went outside, put on his overcoat, went outside and he got some crackers. He said, I think I'll lead them to the barn. So he walked over to the barn and he said, and of course the brother's gonna say, no, uh That's what they said, no, uh They said, no, uh And so he got crackers, he made a trail. And he said, go birds, go, go to the barn. They wouldn't go. So he went to the barn door and he did this. They wouldn't respond to him. And he walked back to his kitchen, kind of sad because he wanted to really help those poor sparrows. And Paul Harvey says, then as he sat there, as he stood there, looked out the window of his kitchen, he thought, how in the world can I get them to go into the barn? I want them to get warm. I want them to have some shelter. I just can't get through to them. What can I do to get through to them? And the farmer said, Paul Harvey says, he had a thought. Oh, if I can just become a sparrow like they are sparrows, I could lead them to the barn. And that's what Jesus Christ did. Well, he didn't become a bird, he became a man to communicate to man, to, to not scare us, but to show us the way to hope, comfort, relief from the elements. He came to save us from our sins. And he expressed that by coming a man, and that's the incarnation. And to lead us to safety, lead us to a place where there's no sin lead us to a place there's no corruption in politics in this world there's no there's no there's no filth there's no garbage there's no uh, things of this world that give us grief uh, to a place where it is perfectly clean perfectly pure and so rather than think of God as someone who's out to hurt you think of him as someone who's come to lead you to a place of light and of warmth and safety and that's why Christ came and so he's not there to hurt us he's there to help us and so uh, he came, God with us oh but wait a minute, I have a thought I have a thought, I'm out, I have a thought I have a random thought <laughs> a random thought is this God did come he did manifest himself in flesh as the man Christ Jesus 
but he's not here anymore. God with us, God was with us. He's not now with us in the flesh. Yes, because something happened where I can say dogmatically, he's no longer with us in the flesh. Because the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1, after his resurrection, 40 days after, he ascended up to heaven. That's called the ascension of Christ. So he went up again, and they beheld him go up, which is a fantastic thing. He's with them for 40 days, and he's talking with them, he's feeling questions probably, and they're looking at him, they're gazing at him, they're awestruck at him. He's really alive. Well, he was. And so he's teaching them. All of a sudden, he rises from the ground. This is an awesome sight. The cameras are there. The networks are there. CNN, ABC. No, they wouldn't have come. Fox may have come. Probably some independent would have come and filmed the whole thing and recorded the whole event. And uh, after he, he rose from the ground. And then they're looking up at him. And you know what happened? The angels came down and said, Hey, you people down here, what do you guys stood up to heaven for? This same Jesus, which is risen up, will come again in like manner. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. The fact is, he went up to heaven. So he is no longer body on earth. So when we say God with us, Emmanuel, that is true, but he's no longer physically here. He went to heaven, went back to where he came from. So he came down, and when his work was done, he went back up. Round trip completed. So he's there now at the Father's right hand. Remember that? So how can we say today that <coughs> God is with us? Well, a couple of things because it is true God is with us when you got saved where did Christ come in according to the book of Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17 that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith so Christ came into my heart not the, not the muscle but he came into me so he lives with me he sent the Holy Spirit to live in me I have the Holy Spirit so he is with me, he is with you if you're saved in that way. God is with you. You can say, Emmanuel, God is with me. He's with you because he's in your heart and the Holy Spirit's in you as well. So let's talk about that. God is with us, he's with all believers. All believers means this. We sometimes think God is with the missionary, the pastor, the evangelist, the, the school teacher, the Christian school teacher, we think like that. But the fact is, God is with everyone who is saved. So from this side to this side, whatever you are, if you're just a nobody Christian, which is not really true, if you're a nobody Christian just is in church and just a, a sincere, faithful Christian, God is with you. And as you go this way to the top, what would the top be? Well, who can tell? We all have someone at the top that's, you know, uh, we aspire to be like that person, full-time and uh, Christian, whatever. He's with them too. He's with the mission. Uh, in the field, he's with the evangelist preaching around the world. He's with the pastor preaching every day, every week from church uh, in his pulpit. He's with Sunday Okay, fine, true, but he's also with everyone. So remember, when God says, uh, "I am with you," God with us. He's with everyone that's saved. He's with everyone that is saved. That you hope a little amen from some of you here, because most of you are just nobodies. As a matter of fact, from top down, we're all nobodies. Everybody here is nobody. Say, I, I am a nobody. nobody. I don't believe you. I, I am a nobody. Am a nobody. But, but Christ is in me. Christ Christ is in me. And I'm somebody. 
Now that's not just some charismatic little ditty kind of thing. That is a real fact because the Bible says Christ in you. Christ in you. So he's with us in our hearts. He's with all believers. And second thing I want to say, God with us, he's with us all the time. Well, that makes sense too. If he's with me, with everyone, he's with me all the time. In any of the 24 time zones. Is it 24 or 12? Seems like a lot to me. In every time zone, he's with us. That's kind of encouraging to know. He's with all believers, he's with all of us at all times, in all circumstances. And, uh, you know, funny about that, God being with us, he's with you, each of us, all the time. He's not with you more than any other time. Because he's with you in good times and in bad times. He's with you all the time. But when you go through a bad time, he seems to be closer to you when you go through a bad time. He seems to be nearer to you when you go through a rough time. As you draw close to him, he seems to draw closer to you. <clears throat> draw not to God, he will draw nigh to you. Which is very true. And so, he's with all of us, all the time. But sometimes he's with us, it seems like even closer, if that's possible. You feel his presence even more when you experience some hardships in life. And then another thing about he's with us, he's with all believers, he's with us all the time, he's with us everywhere, which kind of overlaps. He's with us everywhere in all circumstances. I remember a man in the Bible named the Apostle Paul went to jail. And the second time he's going to be executed, and all of his friends deserted him. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he talks about the people who were friends, but they left him, they abandoned him. They had their reasons, some of them, uh, you know, but uh, they left him. He says, Luke is with me in 2 Timothy 4. But then he says in verse number 16, No man stood with me, all men forsook me. I pray God that they may not be laid to their charge. You know what that shows me about the Apostle Paul? That man was pretty tough. He's pretty firm about a lot of things. But he sure had a big heart. He sure had a big heart. Yeah, they all left me. I thought they were good friends, but now they're trying to be fair with me. He says, but you know what? I pray God don't dead to their charge. He was saying, God, forgive them. I don't hold against them. Whatever they did, they did for whatever reason. But I wish that happened, but it happened. So, okay. We'll let bygones be God, bygones kind of thing. And so he had a pretty big heart. But watch this. He says in verse number 17, after all the people left him, his friends, he says, notwithstanding... The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. You know what he was really saying when he said that? The Lord, never mind. He says, nevertheless me, never mind. He says, ah, that's okay. See, we sit around here, ah, that's okay. The Bible says, notwithstanding, never mind. Never mind that they all left me because the Lord stood with me. What was he saying? Emmanuel, God with me. That's what he was saying. God is with me. Which is pretty a pretty good word right here. So wherever you are, wherever I am, whatever we're going through, whatever we're doing, if we're hanging by a thread, God is with me. If I'm in prosperity, God is with me. Wherever I am, whoever I am, I'm saved, God is with me. The circumstances, God is everywhere, which is a very comforting thing to know. Now, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, he says in Hebrews chapter 4. And so, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto his, the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into heaven, into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling 
of our infirmities. Now this part comes, this part is a little bit personal uh, for all of us because it's a, it's a fact in our minds, a doctrine to believe, to accept that he's with us. But notice what Paul is saying here about how personal his presence is. He, we have not a higher priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, Jesus went to heaven, we know that from what the Bible says. He's up at the Father's right hand, like the Bible says. But he also know that he's with us because he's in our heart and holds Christ in our heart. So he's with us all the time. Emmanuel, while he was on earth, Jesus was tempted by the devil so severely, yet throughout that temptation, we would say that anything that a man could face, any potential, any possibility from A to Z that a man could face, that a woman could face, Jesus Christ faced, but also it was so, so intense, yet he did not cave in. He was like that lighthouse, that famous picture of a lighthouse that became a poster several years back where the waves crashed against it. And the lighthousekeeper stands out like this, like, hey, what's going on over here? Like, nothing's happening? He's not even bothered by the waves crashing against the lighthouse. It stood firm. So Jesus Christ was like that lighthouse who stood firm against the devil's pressure to give in, give in to temptation and sin. He never did. And so that tells me that whatever I face, whatever you face, he has faced it too. And he did not cave in, he did not break down, he did not succumb to the temptations of the devil. But we can go to him. He says, here's how you pray. You pray boldly. You pray confidently that he hears you and he cares for you. You pray honestly. You ever pray honestly to God when you have a real hard time? If someone said, when you go to the hospital, a man, a pastor says, I went to the hospital, two hospitals in 30 days. He said, I learned one thing about this. Very prominent pastor. He says, went to this hospital for two hospitals in 30 days. He says, I have a large church. He says, I got a lot of nurses in the hospital. He says, I pray to God that none of my nurses are my, my nurses. <laughs> he says, because when I go to the hospital, he says, I check out my, my, um, my dignity at the door. <laughs> I think you know what that means. And so he says, but I have to succumb to whatever I go through. But he says, I know God is with me to go through this humbling experience of being in the hospital for 30 days. And we pray boldly that God will hear us. We're comfortable about that. We're told to pray, honestly. Have you ever prayed honestly about things? I don't mean praying in public. In praying in public, you can, you're supposed to be honest all the time when you pray, yes? Okay. But, you know, really, there's public praying, there's private praying. And public praying is different from private praying. Some people, they have no sense of discretion. They pray everything in public, private. They confess their wife's sins, their kids' sins, everything about that. No, don't say that. No, no, no. I don't want to know that. That's too much information. <laughs> and so they pray about everything like that, very honestly, sincerely, but they have to remember public praying, private praying is a different thing. Private praying, Spurgeon says, is really more important than public praying. Spurgeon says, when you go into your closet, like Matthew 5 says, you go into your closet and pray, that's when you just, I don't want to say it wrong, when you figuratively, spiritually, bear all to him. Now, we're all adults here, and I hope you don't get too visual, but the idea was just go naked before God, on your knees before like that, and just pour your heart out, come boldly to him, come honestly to him, just tell them all. Tell them all, tell them all to Jesus. Just tell them all to him. 
And that, Spurgeon says, is the most important, the most honest, the most sincere type of prayer, private praying in your closet. Do you know that you can do that? Do you know that you can do that where you can come to Christ because he understands everything about everything, even God and him, without any fear of laughter or ridicule or mockery, but with an open, tell me all about it. My mother-in-law is like that. She's not a counselor by a profession or by any trend. She's just a, a Christian woman who has this way about her, but people want to tell her, people want to tell her their problems to her. You know what Nancy does? Nancy, can I talk to the church? Sure. After the handshake is done, she gets pulled aside. She says, Nancy, I gotta tell you about this. And Nancy will do this. Mm -hmm. Now watch, watch the face. She do that. And then the, the friend will keep talking. Nancy will go mm -hmm. And they'll talk for five, ten minutes. She go, mm -hmm. well, bless your heart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then the friend will say, Nancy, thank you so much for talking to me. I feel so much better. All she did was make a face. <laughs> she she showed compassion. She showed I care for you. She showed empathy. She showed sincerity. She showed that I'm your friend. You can talk about anything. And the best thing is she won't talk to anybody about it as well. That's pretty good. She's really saying to her friends, I know what you need. Now it's one thing for someone to tell you as you tell them your problems. I know exactly what you mean, but they don't. It's kind of hollow when that happens. But Nancy Kemp, she'll be sincere and she'll take it in and she'll pray for that person. And they know that, they feel that. You can come to God boldly with your problems and tell him everything about yourself and about this whatever situation. And he's gonna be there and he's gonna be like, mm. if, if I can say it like that, that's to say you can come to him. And so when he says that in Hebrews, uh, he tells us how to pray. We pray boldly. We, he tells us what to pray uh, that we may find grace to help and why. Because we need help in time of need. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the longer you live as a Christian, the more you realize one thing. We are totally helpless about a lot of situations. The longer you live as a Christian, I've been saved since 1970. That's a, that's a long time. Which means I'm getting older. Which means I don't want to deal with it. But you realize after a long time, that we all have this feeling of helplessness when things come up that we didn't expect or we expected something and it's what we expected, we didn't like it. It, it caused us to fear, it caused us to worry, but it, it has come up. Job says, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. And those things happen, those things that come up, the longer you live, the more you feel like you're experiencing things or others are, but you can come to him for help in time of those needs, which is a blessing. Nancy Kemp is far away. I don't really talk to her. No, I've talked to her. And I don't really tell her my problems because I feel like, well, I'm a guy. I got everything under control. <laughs> How can she be a comfort to me? But really, truthfully, the longer you live as a Christian, the longer you realize, the more you realize, you should realize that it's God. He has to intervene. He has to be merciful. He has to be gracious. He has to be the one to step in. And if he does, praise God. If he doesn't, we praise God anyway. And that's why Paul talks, Paul, Paul, Paul talks about, I've learned all things to be content. 
that's about his welfare. That's about his his his, his uh, condition in life at that moment. I'm going to be content. Well, uh, God with us eternally, eternally. God with us in the present tense. And so, I want you to know today on this Christmas Eve that Emmanuel means God with us. I think you know that God with us. And these are some things to understand about what it means that he is with us. Now, he came down to be with us. I'll close with this one. He came down to be with us so that one day we could be with him. He came to be with us so that one day we could be with him. That's pretty awesome. Now, awesome is overused, but that's pretty awesome. That's pretty wonderful that one day I will be with Christ in heaven. That one day you will be there. You know what Jesus did? Jesus lived a life you could never live. Jesus died of death you should have died. And Jesus will take the place you don't deserve. That's called heaven. It all hinges upon what you do with him. If you accept Christ as your Savior, and you fulfill what he came for to seek and to save that which is lost, like you, if you're not saved, then one day, when after you receive him, you may live to be a hundred years after that. You may live a long time. Great. But the moment you pass on from this life to the next life, you're going to pass on to be a Jesus Christ. Amen. Absent from the body, you're going to be present with the Lord. God will give you something that you can never buy with all the money that Bill Gates has. Eternal life. You know what John 10, 28 says? I give unto them, those who believe in me, trust in me, I give unto them this thing called eternal life, and they shall never perish. You know, shall amen pluck them out of my hand, which is to say, you are saved, you are safe, and you are secure until you get to heaven. That is so awesomely great, it didn't cost you a dime. Most things just not that it's worth anything, you have to pay for it. But the most important thing in life, eternal life, forgiveness of sin, Jesus gives you free. Are you kidding me? Seriously? What a man say? Seriously with the raised stone? Seriously? Why not say seriously? Seriously? For free? Seriously. No joke. So if you have yet to receive Christ as your Savior, I hope you have a good Christmas. But do you have assurance of eternal life through Jesus Christ? He that has the Son has life. And he that has not the Son of God has not life. And I'm going to close by giving this little demo here. I, can I have uh, one of those bags, honey? No, I can get it. Okay. Oh, boy, it says here $10,000. Okay. It says Merry Christmas, and it says in here, Whosoever will. I'm going to give this bag for whosoever will. That means anybody. And if you want this bag, you just come and get it. I'll give it to you. If you believe what I say, I'll give it to you. There's a point to all of this. There's a point to gift giving. There's a point to Christmas. If you'd like to get this bag, which has candy and some cookies and some, uh, oh, I see a several hundred dollar bills in here. <laughs> Is yours for the asking. See, you know why you won't come. You think I'm. <laughs> you didn't come because you don't believe me. 
You don't have faith in what I said. But this this silly woman, this believing gullible woman, heard my words, took it at face value. She came up, and I gave it to her. I fulfilled what I said. Now she's got it. Now you don't have it. Until you come and take what God offers you, it's not yours. Right. So before you go home today, make sure you've received the gift of God, which is eternal life. Make sure you have received him. I would not play with this. I would not wait another year, another Christmas to think about it. It's just the safest thing, the most reasonable thing, the most logical thing to do is to receive Christ as your Savior, the gift of God, and leave church with the assurance of, I've got eternal life. So many things happen in life. So many unexpected things happen in life. And, uh, and that's why insurance is necessary to have life insurance and car insurance thing because you don't know what's going to happen driving the road. You, know, you don't know. And so be sure you have Christ as your Savior. Eternal life insurance. Alright? I wish all of you a Merry Christmas. Wish all of you have a happy new year. And the most of all wish that you would know Christ as your Savior. That'll make your Christmas really special. Let's bow in prayer. Father, I thank you for the time that we've had to talk about Jesus. Emphasize him this month and on this day. It's just natural. It's just normal. It's just right that on his birthday, whenever that was, we, we celebrate it. We recognize it. We brag on him. We talk about him. We promote him. He's the focal point of Christmas. And all the things that happen around Christmas time, it's all nice. It's all nice. It's all a blessing. It's all good. But the best of all is that you came to be our Savior. All the good songs, all the lyrics, all the nice melodies, all the good feelings. For the Christian, we are so grateful. We understand what Christmas is for. And we pray for others who are without, those who enjoy Christmas, like it, but they're we, to be honest, they're falling short because they haven't received Christ yet as their Savior. And I pray that today, before before uh, they leave the building, they would make sure Christ is theirs as their personal Savior. Thank you, Father, for coming to this world. How can we ever thank you? With a hundred lives, we could not. But today we thank you that we once again remember and appreciate you coming into this world to be our Savior. And I pray that others would say personally that he is their savior too. Bless your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.